0: Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with
1: your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to today's Episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. We're excited to bring you today's conversation with a great friend of ours. Uh, But before we get to that conversation, um, I want to remind you uh, why we're here. We're here to encourage and equip you to lead in the local church. And uh, we want to do that every way we can. And we believe these conversations help do that. If you've got a conversation you want to hear, if you've got a question or a topic that you would love for Andy and I to cover, we want to hear from you. So you can always get in touch with us at contact at churchleadershippodcast.com. And that's uh, a way to, to email us and, uh, you know, again, ask us questions. Give us topic ideas, give us ideas of conversations you'd like to hear. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd also like to ask you to subscribe to the podcast. We don't want you to miss a single episode, so make sure if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, hit that little bell so you'll be notified every time a new episode is is, uh, uploaded every week. And if you're listening, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Uh, So let's get to today's conversation. Well, we are glad to have all
0: of you who are watching and listening to the podcast, not just this week, but week in and week out. Mark and I talk a lot about how much we appreciate those who uh, encourage us with uh, contact, by contacting us about the podcast, what you've been watching and listening to and how helpful it is, and we feel like this conversation we're going to have this week is just another one of those conversations that's going to be helpful and encouraging to you. This week, we have our friend Josh Sammons. Uh, Josh serves in Alexander City, Alabama at Rocky Creek Baptist Church, and he's not only a pastor, but he wears a few other hats. He teaches with Stanford University's Ministry Training Institute, and he also serves uh, in a local funeral home there, so we're going to dig into those things in just a few minutes. Josh, we are glad uh, to have you on the podcast this week, man.
2: Hey, man, good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. It's an honor
1: well um it's it's definitely our honor and uh i I'm excited about this conversation. Josh, you and I have known each other for a while, and um, we met when we were both serving together in tallapoosa county right and uh at that point, I think when we first met, you were a bivocational pastor um, right but, but but not long after we met, you transitioned to another church as a full time pastor
2: correct
1: um and then you served there for a while. God bless that ministry and and then you chose. Uh, to transition back to a bivocational role. And all this right. is happening, you know, while you're going to school, um, getting degrees and all that. And so uh, I want to kind of dive into that a little bit because if, if, you know, if those watching and listening are honest, most of the stories we hear are people who are bivocational and are trying to get that full time gig, right? Right. Uh, but, but you, like me and like Andy, uh, have gone a unique route and you've intentionally chosen co-vocational or vibration. Right. right. Um, so I think that's a unique thing. I think that's increasing, by the way. But but I want to hear a little bit about that story and why you chose to do that at this point in your ministry.
2: Right. Well, I'm uh, not so much it's about me choosing, it's just about God calling. You mm-hmm. know, um, I was at Hilby. Uh, for almost seven years, a uh, great ministry there wonderful people loved them had no had no reason to leave other than God uh, just called me and uh, called me to, uh, he didn't call me far away. He called me 10 minutes up the road. But, you know, it's a, it's amazing how um, even 10 minutes up the road in a little small community, a small city like Alexander City, the culture's different, you know. Um, but uh, I'm at Rocky Creek now. been there since January of 2020, unbeknownst <laughs> to me right before COVID hit, you know. What a great time uh, to transition. Yeah, great time <laughs> to transition but, uh, I'm at, uh, Rocky Creek. It is a, uh, traditional, um, older church been there since 1840, but, um, God has just blessed our church. We have a lot of young families getting connected with our church over the past two weeks. We've had nine people join our church. So God is blessing, not because of me, just because how good God is. And, mm-hmm. um, But yeah, I I, uh, felt called there and uh, by the way that their structure is set up, it it has allowed me also to go out in the community and do some other things, which um, just my bent way I'm, you know, God created me. I just really function better in that type of setting. Um, You know, I like to be out in the community. I like to work. I like to interact with people. Um, And that just helps me. And really, I believe it helps me in my in my preaching and my pastoral ministry. Um, As you said, I uh, work part time at a funeral home. I've also worked part time before at a uh, a hospice uh, uh, health care company, Southern Care uh um, uh owned by curo. Uh I was a bereavement coordinator and a chaplain there. So that gave me other ministry opportunities. People that who would never come and sit in the views uh, at my church, I was able to go into their home and to share the love of Christ and share the gospel and see them on a weekly basis. So that was a, a great job there. But just uh serving at the funeral home gives me a lot of opportunities. Uh uh, to uh, again minister to families uh, who are hurting who are bereaved um, you know at the funeral home I, I assist in funerals uh, but also and uh, uh, responsible for aftercare, where we, re- we try not to forget about our families after you know mm-hmm. we bury their loved one uh, or or memorialize their loved one we we reach out let them know we're here if they need anything not so much counseling but just to let them know we're here And that they're not alone in their struggle Mm -hmm. and in their loss. So uh, all of those. And then, of course, you mentioned MTI. That gives me a great opportunity to make disciples outside the walls of the church. Um, So that's just, I love to stay busy, man. I mean, not that you don't stay busy in full-time ministry, you do. But I just like that engagement and that interaction in the community that I get uh, by being co-vocational or by vocation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I found, Josh, that uh, a lot of people like you, Mark, and myself who kind of have those restless spirits who we're not happy sitting behind a desk all day, every right. day. Right, uh, right. And it, it's not that we're against that. It's just that's not how God wired us personally. Correct. And I'm yeah. thankful for your faithfulness to to live out that calling that God's given you to go out and do those kind of things. And I'm also thankful for a lot of your story. Uh, like Mark said, we've known each other for a few years and I've known part of your story. Uh, something I think our, our watchers and listeners would love uh, to be encouraged as they hear it. Uh, a little bit about a few years ago, one of the things that, that you did is, uh, is, is a little different than what a, yeah. a normal person would do. Uh, we yeah. talk a lot in ministry about Living sacrificially and loving people the way that Christ wants us to love them and investing in the lives of others. Well, you've kind of gone a few notches above that. Tell us a little bit about, I'm I'm trying to tease this out a little bit here. Tell us (laughs) a little bit about how a specific act that God called you to love someone in that way, in a sacrificial way. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Well, in 2016, um, my father in law, um, began to experience uh, renal failure. His kidneys were failing, not functioning properly. And um, he, his diagnosis was just progressively more grave every time he'd go to the hospital. His kidneys were not functioning. And, and eventually he had to be put on dialysis. Um, and um, uh, so he, um, we began to pray and search and, and, and try to figure out a way to, for him to receive a transplant, a kidney Um, that was his only chance for survival. Um, so in 2000, I think it was 2017, uh, we entered a kidney swap transplant type program at UAB. Um, and, um, and so at first, um, uh, they had to go to a, a, a series of meetings um, to kind of educate um, the recipient about what they were in for and also to look for donors or possible donors. And what's unique about that program at UAB, and of course UAB is a research hospital, but it is that that you don't have to find someone that is exact match. UAB does all that and they've got these all these people in a chain or line who need kidneys. So if you could just find someone as a, uh, to, to donate a kidney, then UAB will, will, will handle all the rest. And, and, uh, and so it's a basically a kidney swapping program, for lack of a better terminology. Um, so anyway, Wade and, and, and i our family got involved in that. At first, I was just their chauffeur. Uh, I would just take them to Birmingham on Saturdays, every two weeks, and we'd learn about the, the program there at UAB. And uh, we began to pray, you know, as a family that that God would just uh, work something out where Wade could receive a kidney. And, you know, I can remember going to those meetings and listening to, you know, their talks and instructions and education. And I just, God just began to impress it upon my heart that, that I'm the man, that I'm the guy. And, um, you know, to donate a kidney. And uh, so... Um, just long story short, kind of fast forwarding it a little bit, I went through all the rigorous physical testing. Um, of course, I was not an exact match for my father in law, but I was an exact match for someone else who needed a kidney. And that freed up Wade to receive a kidney from another lady who lived in North Alabama who was a match for him. So, um, you know, and it's kind of funny how God and his. God's plan is perfect. His providential leading is always perfect. And about two years prior to this, I had just felt like I needed to do a little better with my eating and my physical Mm. exercise type thing. So I began to try to eat a little bit better. You know, as a pastor, that's hard to do, right? (laughs) (laughs) Everybody wants to give us a casserole and cake, right? Um, But I I tried to do a little better. I started running and exercising and and all that was very beneficial because Mm. when I went through um, my, uh, testing, uh, to see if I was able to donate a kidney, all that came back with flying colors. And, uh, I was, uh, in good health, health enough to donate a kidney and, and live the rest of my life, um, in normal function with just one kidney. So in, in March of 2018, uh, right after I met, uh, right, right after I met you, Andy, um, right. at, uh, at one of the summit retreats, uh, for pastors. But, uh, right after that in March of 2018, um, I donated a kidney. Um, I gave my kidney and that allowed my father-in-law to receive a kidney. And so, um, you know, God is good. Um, both my, my father-in-law, he, he, uh, of course, he still has to take a regimen of uh, anti-rejection medicine, but he's doing great. He's back living his life. Dude, I just saw him go by my house a little bit a few moments ago. He's out working, enjoying life, gained about 20 pounds. Um, I, I did well with the surgery. Um, Got to give props to Miss Jamie Locke, who is the, the research uh, surgeon at UAB, who, who specializes in kidneys. Uh, learn a lot about this process when you go through it, by the way, uh, learn a lot about the medical field. I'm so thankful for them. But anyway, Jamie Locke did my surgery, uh, went through it well. Uh, and uh, after, a, you know, six, eight weeks, I was back up and running, ready to, to do ministry and, and get out in the community. So, you know, just God is good. God works through our doctors and the physici- physicians He He is the great physician, but he gives people with those abilities to give people life. And right. uh, I'm thankful for that. And it was just, it was, it was, I mean, it was tough at times, but it was a, a, a it was a great experience. And I did it because I was called to do it. I was, mm-hmm. you know, God just called me as Esther. Uh, uh, he appointed me for that time for a time such as this. And um, mm-hmm. so, you know, how here I am, Lord, send me.
1: Right. right. That's so. awesome. What a, what a great example to not just your family, but, but your church, your community, you know, we preach generosity, we preach sacrifice, you know uh, we preach love, but then you, you lived it. You, you practiced what you preached. And um, I I, I sense a theme here already in our conversation about God's calling and answering God's call, because you you've mentioned that with this story and with, just, you know, going co-vocational again. And, and so I, I want to dive in to, to, to kind of your calling in a sense sure. and how God's used it and maybe even some unique advantages and challenges to it. So there you are in small town, Alabama, for right. those people who don't know, Alexander City's right near, it's part of, you know, the Lake Martin community, but it's yep. a rural part of, of our state. And, uh, you're serving in a, in a small church. I say small or normal size church is what we sure. would call it. Yeah. Um, in Alabama, bivocationally, but then you started that journey right as COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about maybe the unique um, opportunities and challenges of serving in a rural um, place as a co-vocational pastor in the middle of a pandemic.
2: (laughs) Right. Well, you know, there was a, a lot of Sundays I preached off the back of a gooseneck Flatbed trailer <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to cars. Okay, mm-hmm. it was like an episode of Cars. And one day we we'll want to say Amen, <laughs> they just honk their horn. So, um, so, um, but yeah, uh, got there in January twenty twenty. Of course, we know what happened February and March of twenty twenty, and uh, of course, we had to um, uh, cease our, uh, you know, gathering inside. We moved uh, outside. Um, you know, think. You know, I'm thankful for. Um, for technology because it still allowed us to uh, reach a good contingent of our congregation. Um, uh, even for, there was a little while there before we went to like car, what we call car church that we were basically, it was just me preaching to the minister of music and the sound guys and piano player. Yep. And it was all broadcast over Facebook live. So we were able to stay connected um, due to the, the gift of modern technology And then, you know, uh, we eventually transitioned back inside after car church. But yeah, it, it posed a lot of challenges. It's hard to really get to know your people when we have these, uh, you know, uh, uh, social distancing, uh, you know, uh, because I'm a, I'm a guy like to be, you know, uh, interacting with people. So that, that posed a challenge, but just did a lot with my phone and calling and, And, um, you know, it was a difficult time, but God got us through it. And, uh, and we use technology to, to, to stay in touch. And, um, you know, uh, I think sometimes, uh, I'm not, I am personally not a big media, you know, social media guy, but I do see the value of it, especially in times like this. And, Mm -hmm. um, so we have, um, and God's been good, uh, in the midst of all the, the chaos of COVID God has, is still building his church.
0: Amen. Absolutely. Well, Josh, I think you have parts of your story that people think, wow, there's no way I could do that. But what you just shared is so relatable. Yeah. I mean, people who are watching and and listening to this podcast, man, they are in, in, in the are all still trying to figure out which ways up and what to do. So right um, what what you have done and what you have experienced and how you've seen God bless, we feel like the normative size church, which a lot of people might call a smaller church, but it's more than average uh, for a church to be 150 and under. Um, right. we've seen God bless and churches rebound quicker. Yeah, and, yeah, and and yeah. those churches who are healthier going in are now maintaining or either grow or even growing, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. based on what they were doing pre-pandemic. So, right. how are you seeing your people kind of respond now as we've we've kind of been a couple of years into this? Yeah. Uh, how how are your people doing?
2: Well, I, I see my people really having a hunger. Uh, To grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they they really want to know God's word. You know, they don't want a lot of fru frou You know, they just want they want to come and worship God and hear the word preached. Um, You know, I was this past uh, since since the beginning of the year. um, You know, we we talk a lot about discipleship, and I told my people, I said, you know, it's really hard for me to disciple every one of you one-on-one, although I would love to do that. But one way I can help facilitate that is by um, discipling you from the pulpit. And, but in order for that to happen, you're going to have to be in God's word engaged on a daily basis. And so I challenged them, uh, with a Bible reading schedule this year. And, um, and I have just gotten really, um, uh, really good response from that people coming up to me again, it's almost like I'm still a newlywed, so to speak at our church, because, you know, I started right in the middle of the time where it was you know, um, difficult to uh, get to know everybody, although we've been able to overcome that with God's grace, but um, I'm really just getting to know everybody. And, And one of the things that they shared with me is they've never been challenged to to intentionally read God's word on a daily basis. And wow. so uh, they're responding very, I mean, I've got people texting me, hey, what kind of study Bible do I get? What kind of Bible do I get? Uh, thank you for my Bible reading schedule, not to be legalistic or anything, but just to be intentional about God's word. And what I'm seeing is people are really hungering and thirsting for for, ri- for righteousness and want to, to, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And that happens anywhere. Um, as long as we're leading our people to that. And
2: yeah. um, And one other thing I've seen through this, of course, we've, we've had some attrition, we've lost some, uh, but the ones who are there, they're, 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 they're in, they're, Mm. they're committed, you know, um, now we've got some who, you know, um, well, I think one of the pros, we were able to stay connected with technology. One of the, the cons of technology is people have started, um, Uh, using that and substituting that for for in-person worship and i I, you know i I think that you know hebrews 10 25 tells us if we possibly can unless we're providentially hindered we need to be gathered together as god's people i feel like there's so much um you know value and that it builds unity um i've seen we've seen some though who they do pajama church and that's fine but uh w- but one one thing i've seen is those people who are con- who have connected and are all in man they they're serious about growing in the lord
1: amen amen yeah and we've experienced the same thing and we talked about it a good bit it's kind of a um a new core that god has established exactly. for a lot of churches and right. um and that core is much stronger than it was yeah, well, we had it on our, yeah. our podcast a while back. Josh, he said this. He said, "We've
0: been praying for years for God to show us who our core group is that we can really depend on."
2: Well, right. here
1: they are. You know, that's right. right.
2: Yeah, and, and so
1: took a pandemic to get there, but that's okay. Yeah. Sometimes God, God works answers, in
2: mysterious ways. That's right. God's yeah. answers
1: aren't aren't always what we expect. That's um, right. That's right. Well, so we. I, this has been a fantastic conversation, and and really we could go lots of directions to close this out because we always like to close it out with a word of encouragement. And uh, I think to me, um, God's calling is is central to what we've been talking about. And right. and Josh, maybe there's somebody, maybe there's somebody that's that's full time in ministry right. or is trying to get the full time ministry, um, but maybe God is is his calling on their life may be a little different. Maybe they're realizing through this conversation that they're wired a little bit differently. Right. Uh, and they're not made to to be that kind of person that's full-time ministry. Maybe they're beginning to see some advantages to being in the community and, and, you know, being a part of something co-vocationally. So right. what's, you know, if there were somebody right in front of you right now and they were dealing with that struggle, um, how would you encourage them to go forward?
2: Well, um, <sighs> it's got to be a calling, not a career, okay, and uh, <clears throat> if, if God has called you to a church that's bivocational, and that means you're going to have to work a little bit more, maybe God is using it to sanctify you, and not only grow you, but grow those people, and um, so don't be, don't be afraid of that, there's nothing, um, uh, there, there, there's nothing shameful about pastoring a bivocational church, you know, it may, it may, it may pose some challenges, and it may not be as glamorous, um, but hey, Elijah's ministry wasn't that glamorous either. You know, um, uh, there were times, you know, when John the Baptist, uh, you know, he was out there, um, you know, eating passion is, you know, my passion is to, is to watch things grow. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's, uh, uh, not only from my hobbies, which I enjoy uh, gardening and grafting trees and all that kind of horticulture type stuff, but also in you know my my calling prior to being called into the ministry, which is more architecture and construction and building. I watched. I like to watch buildings grow. I like to watch plants grow. But I love to watch people grow more than anything. Amen. and grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's my passion. So, you know, uh, and, and let me, let me say this people in small church churches need to hear good expository preaching just as much as those people in the larger churches. And so if God has gifted you with that, and that's your passion, you know, God will, if he sends you somewhere, he will provide, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe you got to work a little harder. Maybe it's a little bit more of a challenge, but God always provides. You got to just trust in that and be faithful and, um, you know, I love, first uh, Corinthians three, six, where Paul says, you know, I planted, uh, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, Amen. you know, Amen. and, uh, so just go with your passion and, um, and God will give the increase.
0: Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I know there's another way we can encourage people as we close out this episode, Josh, a lot of people. Uh, especially pastors and ministers, they, they tend to brag a little bit about their experiences or their accomplishments or whatever. Um, if you were in the conversation, uh, it, it would be a mic drop moment when you just say, hey, I donated kidney to my father-in-law. So uh, so it's kind of hard to top that. <laughs> well, and I know, you know, I know from your heart, you did not do that for any kind of recognition or whatever. I know you well enough to know you did that because first off, you said God's calling you, but second, because you did it because you love your father-in-law. And, uh, I get the feeling you probably would have done that for somebody else. that wasn't your father-in-law.
2: Yeah. And let me uh, just say this, Andy Frazier and you too, Mark Ganey, you guys walked right along the side of me during that whole process. And I appreciate that. And I can remember, I can remember Andy Frazier walking in the, um, waiting room there at UAB to be with me and my family. And, uh, you, you know, you, you never forget those people who walk along beside you in trying times. So I thank you for that. And that well, says well, that, that points where your heart is too, brother. So,
0: well, thank uh, you, man. Thank you. Yeah, We appreciate you being on the podcast and we know people who are watching and listening this week have been especially encouraged and equipped to lead the local church. So thank you, Josh, for being with us.
2: Thank you. It was my pleasure, guys.
0: Thank you.
1: All right. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the church leadership podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app.